0: The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory Glory to you, you, O Lord. Lord. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is also called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment. Give without payment. The gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Christ. A few weeks ago, on the fourth Sunday of Easter, the Sunday that is known as Good Shepherd Sunday, we spent time with a friend whom many of us count as one of the oldest and dearest friends we have, that friend being the 23rd Psalm, which speaks to us of the Lord our Shepherd. Being the true friend that it is, the 23rd Psalm loves to spend time with us and to listen to us. And when, when listening to us, she, she sometimes hears that we in body and soul are just in such a good place. She, she gently whispers to us and she, she even kind of hums to us, reminding us of the shepherd who is the giver of all that is good. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul she says. But being the truly true friend that she is, she listens and hears too when we are in frightened places or struggling to find our way places. And then too, at just the right time, she whispers again, reminding us that there is no frightening thing, no threat around us or within that is as strong as the love of the shepherd who holds you, and holds forever in his hands. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, she whispers to the shepherd for us, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. There are several hymn tunes which have been used to set the 23rd Psalm or paraphrases of the 23rd Psalm to music, and I think because the 23rd Psalm is a friend whom I hear tenderly whispering the mercies of God, those, those shepherd hymns, at least my favorite ones, all seem to me to be heard at their most powerful best when we hear them powerfully and tenderly, softly, as in, well, as in, for example, This week, the uh, appointed psalm for the day is another old and faithful friend to many of us. Not as many as the 23rd psalm, no doubt, but that's hardly a flaw. Nobody this side of Jesus, the good shepherd himself, is as good a friend to as many of us as the 23rd psalm. The other friend I'm talking about is the 100th psalm, which actually theologically, is, is, is a relative of the 23rd, joining it in the poetically theological imagery of us as the sheep of a God who shepherds us. But there's also a very noticeable difference between the, these two siblings. For while the 23rd Psalm whispers tenderly, the 100th Psalm shouts boisterously, At family gatherings around dinner tables, in other words, the 100th Psalm is the loud one. And there's one very old hymn tune, and by old, I mean it will turn 500 in a few decades. And it is a hymn tune which is so of the spirit of this old friend, Psalm 100, that the tune itself... Even when it is heard without words, or in some cases um, with different words, the tune itself is nevertheless actually titled Old Hundredth. And not all of you, of course, um, but if more than a few of you are right now thinking to yourself never heard of it, except of course you have. You've just never made the connection between that old friend of many the 100th Psalm, and that hymn tune you actually do know, you just didn't realize it was named after the Psalm. Because Psalm 100 is the boisterously loud one in the family, the old 100th hymn tune, it seems to me, is almost always heard, and I think is best heard, played boisterously. Played, for example, like this... Here is Psalm 100, which lent its name to that hymn tune called Old Hundredth. Listen and see if you can hear it boisterously loudly, singing the same glorious song as that glorious hymn. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into God's presence with a song. Know that the Lord is God, our Maker to whom we belong. We are God's people and the sheep of God's pasture. Enter the gates of the Lord with thanksgiving and the courts with praise. Give thanks and bless God's holy name. Good indeed is the Lord whose steadfast love is everlasting, whose faithfulness endures from age to age. paraphrase a commentator on uh, Luther Seminary's study site for the weekly text, many of us were brought up, including in church, being told to keep it down, turn it down, settle down, shh. But when it comes to worshiping the Lord our God, Psalm 100 says the exact opposite thing. Turn it up, shout it out, make a joyful noise. The world, of course, 24-7, it sure seems, is ever streaming its own noises our way. But the noise that is the world's kind of noise is so often nothing more than the loud and distracting noisiness of trivialities and fake urgencies in which it is so easy to lose track of oneself and, and to lose track of one another. And sometimes, surely, To hear a voice that is of God, sometimes surely we must quiet ourselves. We must must leave noise behind. We must, to quote another old friend, the 46th Psalm, we must be still and know that God is God. But sometimes, too, our old friend, the old hundredth says, let us make a joyful noise to the Lord, not in the sense of losing track of ourselves and of one another in trivial noisiness, but in the sense, rather, of losing ourselves, thus to find ourselves and one another lost and found as we are caught up by the holy, holy holiness of the of the omni-omni-omniness of God's righteousness and God's grace and God's love and ultimately finally God's godness above all and for all make a joyful noise to the Lord all you lands serve the Lord with with gladness come into God's presence with a song know that the Lord is God know that the Lord is God there is so much in that sentence including a corollary to know that the Lord is God is to know that I'm not and you aren't either and I think in many of our cases were we to know nothing more than that that would be enough for too many live our lives either by thinking we are God, by living as though the purpose of it all, and by the purpose of it all, I mean the purpose of you, is me, and the happiness of me, and the lifting up of me, and the greatness of me. Or we live our lives thinking we need to be God, which we maybe don't ever say in quite so many words, but we are saying it nevertheless when anxiously, fearfully, we think to ourselves, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. As though the only strength or wisdom or courage here for getting through this is mine alone. Know that the Lord is God, the psalm shouts, reminding me that the purpose of us all and the purpose of it all and the purpose of me and my all is found in relationship to God and is lived out according to the desires of God and is lived ever in the presence of the One who is so very God that He can not just make but keep this promise, I am with you always and everywhere. By way of hearing and knowing all of that, it helps to know that in in Psalm 100's original Hebrew that word know is so deeper than the way uh, we traditionally use that word know in English, the way we traditionally use the word know being um, is kind of a head thing, right? An intellectual thing. I know know that 2 plus 2 is 4 and I know that the capital of Nevada is Carson City and I know that the lead singer for the Guess Who was Burton Cummings. But the Hebrew word translated here know as in know the Lord is way more than that. It is not just an intellectual thing. It is rather I mean, the more you read about it, it is rather an almost everything, for it goes far beyond what we can know in our heads to include, for example, obedience, what we do with our lives. God in other words is only truly known by us when the desires of God are internalized not just into our heads but our bodies too, thus to be externalized in word and in deed and to go even deeper. That Hebrew word translated here as know is the very same word found in Genesis 4 verse 1 where it says that Adam knew Eve with the result that she conceived and bore a son. The word know in other words, it's also a relational word and, and, and an intimate one at that, intimacy which is found as we hear that verse in its entirety, saying, know that the Lord is God, our maker to whom we belong, for we are God's people. We are the sheep of God's pasture. Know that the Lord is God. The Old hundredth says, reminding us that the purpose of us all and the purpose of it all and the purpose of me and my all is found in the intimacy of a relationship with God and is lived out according to the desires of God, who is the God of all. And so the Psalm goes on to say, enter the gates of the Lord with thanksgiving and the courts with praise, give thanks and bless. God's holy name enter the gates of the Lord as in come into the presence of the Lord as in worship and draw close to the Lord with thanksgiving and praise give thanks and bless God's holy name need to be clear there is not even a tiny hint of any suggestion that this giving thanks is to be reserved for one Sunday a year that we call Thanksgiving because knowing that the Lord is God is also to know there is never a time that is not a time for thanksgiving. For in all times, including tough times, including, including life and death times, including these times, there is always something to be thankful for. And knowing that the Lord is God, we know there's always someone who's always there to give thanks to. Which doesn't mean that you are to be blithely unaware or blissfully in denial about tough things going on in your life or in the world. It just means rather that there are no times, God being God and God being your shepherd. There is, there is there's no time when there's not something to be thankful for, including the fact that, that the thought in this together is not just a very nice yard sign rush to share with each other, it is also, and when you see a sign like this, or we stand together, when you see these signs, remember, this is also a very powerful promise that God is ever promising you. We're in this together. For you are a sheep of the shepherd. He and you are in everything together. You know what? There are are more than a few of my uh, spiritual heroes, including, I want to tell you, my mother-in-law, For example, who have taught me this, giving thanks always is not just good, it's good for the soul. Speaking of good, crescendoing to new heights as it does so, the psalm concludes by saying, good indeed is the Lord, whose steadfast love is everlasting, whose faithfulness endures from age to age. some say never look back in certain situations i imagine there's some wisdom to that but included in psalm 100's concluding verse is the reminder not to make never look back a way of life because sometimes and this is true especially in challenging times or frightening times or anxious times which leave us wondering um, just not just what's going to happen today but what's, what's the future hold sometimes it is spiritually good for us to look back not nostalgically to pine for good old days gone by but rather to remember that in days gone by too there were hard times things that you went through things that our nation went through, things the world went through, things your spiritual heroes went through. And again, this is not nostalgic naivete. Some things that were gone through were gotten through at a high and sometimes tragic cost. But they were gotten through nevertheless. And for those whom I do call my spiritual heroes, like my grandma, who, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, was a young woman. In the in the 1917 flu pandemic as it wreaked its will upon the world and so she saw firsthand what it did and then later she was a young mother during the Great Depression but she like other spiritual giants of mine didn't just get through it she got through it in faith and Psalm 100 concludes by inviting us to look back in order to see that God God not only is good, God has been good and faithfully, reliably so for a long, long time. And God, Grandma, and all of my giants would tell us all, God is who got them through. For the steadfast love of the Lord, as the psalmist reminds us, is everlasting. And the faithfulness of the Lord is from age to age to age. In other words... What? In other words, looking back honestly at some of our own stories, at some of our grandma's stories, at some of the world's stories, and doing so honestly not naively is what helps us to look around and look to the future with a very not naive thing called hope. And hope Christian hope Is not this puny, hardly different from wishful thinking thing. No, not hardly, not one bit. Hope is the powerful thing that allows us to look at the present and live our way toward the future in faith and faithfulness and gratitude and praise. Which, well, is surely at least part of what Paul was saying in our second reading for today from Romans 5 when he says since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character And character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us.